You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Over the months of September and October, we're on a series titled A View From Above. And uh, we've looked at the passage over the last few weeks uh, of Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I know many of you know that verse off by heart. It's a great passage of scripture spoken to Israelites. But as we are grafted in, it's also spoken for us, for our lives. And uh, we're on a series of looking at this reality that God has a plan for us, for you, for your life. When he thought of you before the beginning of time, he thought of a plan for your life. And I can tell you that it is greater than what you think it is. It is a higher plan than your thoughts that you think. We, we have a, this, this verse that he's able to do immeasurably more than we can dare to dream or imagine through our lives. Immeasurably more. The challenge we have is that we come into this world with a, an, idea, a, an idea that's kind of fed to us from the world standard of what our life should look like. What should be success? What is determined greatness in, God, in, in the world's eyes? And when we come to Christ, there's a transition because in no longer is it kind of about the old system, but now it's actually about what Jesus says about who we are, about his plan for us. And the challenge we have is to migrate our thinking from what we used to think of our lives to what God thinks of our lives and to break the glass ceiling above us that the enemy wants to keep us suppressed, wants to keep us with a thought process that this is as good as it gets. This is kind of, this is where your limit is. This is where your gifting is. This is where your family dynamics are. This is your personality. This is all you will really do. And success is kind of hitting that upper point to the ceiling. But God says, actually, I want to do immeasurably more. I, I want to break that. But interestingly enough, as we have been going through the different weeks, God's immeasurably more is different than our immeasurably more. Okay? We like to think immeasurably more from one maybe side of it. Oh yeah, God, I want to see miracles. I want to see things, signs and wonders. Yes, we want to see that. But the immeasurably more is a far more reaching aspect of our lives. It's, it's more uh, well-rounded. And so even in our first week, we looked at, or the second week, we looked at the, the reality that God wants to bring increase in our lives, but increase in God's kingdom comes through release. In the world system, if I want to have a bigger bank account, I do what? I save. Or as Guy said, I invest. Right? We, we, we put money away. But in God's kingdom, if we want to store our riches in heaven, what do we do? We release. Right? We give into the kingdom. And in that, we increase. And so we, we read in Corinthians that actually, if I want to see increase in my, the harvest of righteousness, actually, I need to sow more. If I sow sparingly, I reap sparingly. But the reality is, it isn't so that we have more. is isn't a prosperity thought process that if I give more, I'll get more so I can have more and have nicer holidays. No, I get more so I can give more, so I can get more, so I can give more. It's, it's, it's in and out. God has a shovel. He shovels something in. He shovels resources into our lives. We give it onwards. And he's, okay, you're faithful with that. I'll, you're faithful with little. I'll give you more. So that, okay, well, I'll, you've given me this much. I'll, I'll pass that on. I'll continue to work with it for your kingdom. Because we looked at the reality. You come into the world with what? Nothing. You leave this world with nothing. Everything you have is not yours. Amen. Yay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Takes the pressure right off of us, doesn't it? We're just, um, we're, all of the stuff we have is just, we're stewarding it. 
Through increase comes through release. Last week, Chris shared this, this understanding that actually wisdom in God's kingdom is actually foolishness in the world system. It's upside down. Wisdom is putting your faith completely in Jesus, which as we read last week is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. The, the whole idea of putting your faith into someone who died on the cross seems crazy. Yet that's where wisdom lies. And actually putting your full hope in him is where wisdom flows from. And continuing to live a life that's surrendered to Jesus is a plan of, of, of great wisdom as we take on the mind of Christ in every aspect of our lives. All right, that was my introduction. Let's go for the real, real thing. All right, this morning we're going to look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 24 initially. Now this is a great passage of scripture for a number of different reasons, but you'll, you'll see as we, we look to it. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 24, it says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these, sorry, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus uh, said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. But to sit to my right or to my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom, the, to whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, the mother of Zebedee's sons, which is kind of an interesting way to describe the mother. It was her sons. She has a name, but she's Zebedee's wife. And so Zebedee is important to mention in this passage. Who were the sons? James and John. Okay? Sons of thunder, as they've been referred to in Scripture. They make this request that one would sit on the, the right side of Jesus and one would sit on the left when he comes into his kingdom. Now, again, there's coming with this understanding that when Jesus is talking about the kingdom coming, they were looking at the Roman Empire and they were bringing it across to the thought process that actually when Jesus comes into his kingdom, he's going to be like the emperor. And so this is a, a place of, you know, great authority and power. Now, in the course of time, Jesus will come back and he will reign and rule for eternity. Yes, absolutely. But at this juncture, he was coming as a merciful servant. And the understanding of the kingdom of, of heaven was kind of misunderstood. And so this whole, this whole request of sitting at the right or the left was something that was kind of misunderstood. But the request goes along the lines of what Chris was sharing last week. Because to sit beside Jesus was to sit at the place of the highest honor. Right? Chris mentioned this in detail last week. To sit close to the host, to sit close to the emperor, the closer you sat to the emperor, the more power and influence you had in the kingdom. So to say one to sit on the right and one to sit in the left, they were asking for top jobs, right? They were asking for the top, kind of top roles. They want to be right, right in the thick of it. Now, if you look at the fullness of Scripture in the Gospels, you see that Peter, James, and John actually were in Jesus' inner circle, and Jesus refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. So there was, was there a reason? I mean, the two of them, it wasn't just mom asking for it on behalf of the boys, but they, the, the, all three of them were there, and the boys, they kneeled down, and no doubt they probably had a discussion over dinner, saying, do you know what? 
James and John. It would be good if we got in early on this whole thought process of the kingdom. Before any of the other ten get in, it would be maybe good to kind of make this clear that we would kind of like as a family to be in the inner circle. You say it, John. No, I don't want to say it. You say it. No, I'll say it, Mom. Mom, mom says, I'll say it. As a good mom, she wants the best for her boys, right? So she marches the boys hand in hand, <laughs> comes to Jesus. We got a request. We've got, we've got something to request from you. And Jesus asks what it is. And it's a bold request. Now, this causes a bit of a row with the other disciples. They were indignant. Well, how dare they? I want that place. Why were they indignant? It's because they was asking for the place of honor, a place of greatness in the kingdom. And how dare James and John ask for that? Isn't that kind of a reflection of us? How dare they get in before me? That's not right. They were indignant. And a little bit of a scrap kind of breaks out between them. There was a vine for greatness. And again, this is a reflection of the world system in which we live, our old nature. I mean, disciples were reflecting what's in us often. You know, we, we want to be great. Now, as we continue to read, Jesus' response challenges a whole way of thinking that challenges us as well as we look at greatness. When we look at verse 25 to 28, it says this. It says, Jesus called them together. All right, mates, come on. Let's, let's talk about this. You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord it over them and, they, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow. What's interesting is that Jesus does not correct their ambition to greatness, does he? They want to be great. And he doesn't say, hold on, guys, you shouldn't be great. No, he doesn't say greatness is a wrong ambition if you want to be great. Can I just say right now, God calls us to greatness. He calls you as an individual to greatness. If you want to be great, be great. Go for it. However, there's a however in this passage. However, we don't do it as the world system does it. Greatness in God's kingdom is quite different. Quite different. We could go so far and say God's plan for all of our lives is greatness. He created you for greatness. But to be great, as Jesus defined it, is to be a servant. In other words, greatness comes through servanthood. It's something that challenges our, our thought process, because it's not about a title or a position. In fact, the higher you want to go in the kingdom, the greater the servant you must become. Whoa. I, I don't think probably James and John were thinking of that response. We want to be great in the kingdom. Great. Then you can be the slave of all. Oh, hold on. Maybe there's a miscommunication. Are we speaking a different language here, Jesus? Because that's not what we're, we're talking about. We're talking about, I want to sit at your right and sit at your left. Fantastic, Jesus says. If you want to be great, that's fantastic. But you're going to be the slave of all. If you want to be first, you're actually going to be the last one. Oh, 
Well, maybe actually Judas wants to do this job. <laughs> let, let Judas sit at your left and your, your right. No, they, 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 it kind of pulls it to a, a different thought process, isn't it? Now, to be a servant requires a few things for us. And I think you and I are challenged as we start to look at servanthood. And the first one is this change of perspective. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. It's not about me. It's about you. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. I didn't come to be served. So if you're going to be part of my kingdom, you need to reflect me. And I did not come to perspective to come onto this planet to be served by everyone. As an emperor would. Feed me. Give me my things. I, I can't do anything but make decisions and kill people. No, Jesus didn't come for that purpose, right? He came to serve and give his life completely in the fullness of giving your life as a ransom for everyone, as a payment for all of our sins. Jesus came with that perspective. And it's not about our needs. When we come to faith and then to church, it is coming with a changed perspective that actually, when we're part of God's kingdom, when we're part of his family, we're coming with a perspective of how can I contribute? How can I serve what is happening and not the other way around of how can this serve me? Greatness in God's kingdom. And God has called you. I want you to get this in your heads today and my head as well. God has called us to greatness. But greatness is us stepping up to the plate and saying, how can I be of service to you, God? How can I be of service to your body, God? How can I be part of it? It's a change of perspective. And I think I've, been, I've grown up in church my entire life. So I've seen the good, bad and ugly of church life. And sometimes there is that perspective of it's all about me. Right? We could change the lyrics of that song where it's all about you to it's all about me, Jesus. All this is for me. Oh, I don't really like this music today. I don't really like this. It's all about me. No, actually, it's all about everyone else. And you're part of something that God calls you to contribute to. If we're a follower of Jesus, do you know, we cannot have the perspective that it's all about me. Because Jesus defends that thought process and says, I did not come to be served. I didn't come with this attitude. And you mustn't have this attitude either. It isn't about sitting at the left and to the right. Who were the ones that sit in the left and to the right? In, in the Roman times, they were the ones who sat there and someone else served them. Jesus says, get on the other side of the table. It's on the other side of the table. That's where I'm at. I'm not sitting in this position where I just sit here and wait every, for everyone else to, to wait on me. Jesus continues to live to intercede on our behalf. He continues to work and serve us. As our Redeemer, He continues ever interceding on your behalf. As our High Priest, He's still there, serving. We carry this. So it's a change of perspective. I'm here to serve. That's my attitude. That's my perspective. And that's where greatness is in God's eyes. But it's also a change of position. Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. In the world, it's all about climbing up the ladder of success, right? We've all heard that term. We climb up the ladder of success. You get promoted to something higher. In God's kingdom, it's climbing down the ladder. It's a bit of a, a, a twist of thought, isn't it? If you want to be great, you're actually going down the ladder of success in the world system. And at the bottom actually is where the greatness lies. When you're serving at the bottom and not serving at the top. 
or sorry, I shouldn't say serving at the top, when you're, when you're just there being waited on at the top. Again, I think over church history, there's been a, you know, there's been a thought process maybe that when you, when you move forward in church leadership, that somehow the further up you go, the more you, you are there to just be to serve, be served. You're the, the, the great one. But as pastors, actually, or as ministers, you are the servants of all. In fact, we, we called our, our leadership the serving team, which is another word for deacons, to be servers. But so that the, the, the understanding is correct, actually, if we want to serve or if we want to lead in the church, actually what it is requiring of us is to serve. It isn't about authority, lording it over someone else, right? Jesus talking. It's not about someone being higher and have authority in that sense of I'm dominating, but actually it's the person at the top is serving to the highest capacity over everyone else. Really, my role as a pastor, even in this church, is to serve you. And there is no role that I should not be able to do in the sense of that's below me. No. There's no role that's below me. And if there's no role that's below me, if there's no role below Jesus, and there's no role below you as well. We all are standing at the same position at the bottom of the foot of the cross. Amen. Right? We all stand on equal ground as being servants under the servant of all being Jesus Christ, our King. Laying the foundation of what servanthood really looks like. And that's a tall order because he gave up his life for everyone else. Now, to be part of Center Church, we're not necessarily asking you to die for us. <laughs> we are asking you to maybe to die for Jesus, yes. To be part of his kingdom in such a way that you are all in. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be serving in the same capacity he was, right? He calls us on this journey. And again, greatness leads us on this journey of actually to be great is to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus means that we have this attitude of I'm here to be part of what he's doing. I'm here to serve. The last thing, or I'm sure there's others, but the, the last thing I'm going to share is a change of, of priorities. So it's a change of perspective. It's a change of position, but it's also a change of priorities. It would appear in this passage, that Jesus places the highest value on servanthood. In looking at his life, how he served others, but also when he says, I came to serve. What was his priority? What was Jesus' priority on this planet? I came with what vision? What was Jesus' great vision? To serve. Wow. I came to serve. That's, that's why I'm here. I think for many of us, we sometimes put serving on the bottom of a priority list. And the things that we are really put on the high end of the priority list, in the light of eternity, actually don't matter. I can't help with that because I'm so busy with this. But this is going to pass away. But this is going to be eternal. Jesus came with this perspective of my highest priority is to serve. That's why I'm here. I'm to serve the Father and I'm to serve you. That's why I'm here. It's a priority shift. In the church, 
and in the body. Do you know what? I think when we're reflecting Jesus, there should never be a shortage of helpers in any ministry or anything that we're doing. Why? Because it should be queuing up with volunteers because I'm here to serve. Now, anyone who's visiting with us, man, this is a great message to just leave. (laughs) But if this is your home church, then this is a message for you. Actually, if God has called you to be part of your church, and even if you're visiting with us and you're going to go back to your own church, then if God has called you to be part of that church, then you're called to serve. There isn't another option. There isn't the be served section of the church. I'm here to be served. No, actually, your highest priority in this church or in the church that you belong is to serve, just as it is mine. It is the highest priority. It's why we're here. Again, we come together to worship, which is great. We come together to hear God's word, which is great. We're to encourage one another in this way. But we're also here to, to serve. And really, our, the attitude of our hearts is saying, God, how do you want to use me here as your vessel? How, how do you want to use me in this context? Do you know what? Can I say that God places a great honor in serving teas and coffees? Do you know what? The Bible talks about giving a little one water as something of great value. Serving the least of these. Actually, do you know what? Being part of the welcoming team. Do you know what? God places greatness on that this is not the greatness of the kingdom it's the serving which is the greatness of the kingdom in closing i would like to look at one more example that jesus gave this is at the end of his his time before he went to the cross and probably one of the most dramatic expressions of this and many of you will know where i'm going with this is washing of the disciples feet Again, we can't look at servanthood and say, no, I, I, I can't do that. I'm better than that. I've got so much more to offer than just doing something menial like stacking chairs. When Jesus sets this example, and I'm just going to read verses 1 to 5 and then I'll read the, the last bit of it. He said, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, um, Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Can I just, just flag that? Jesus knew the Father had put the, all things under his power. What does that mean? That Jesus had all authority and power at this moment. You could say, well, if you've got all authority and power, you're there to be served. Right? No. He knew he had all authority. He knew he had all power. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist, after he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and then drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, Peter interacts with Jesus and doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet because 
washing his feet was the, the menial, it, it was for the servants of the house, it, it was the lowest of position to wash their feet. And Jesus, although he had all power, he takes off the outer, his outer garment, he takes the towel and a, a wash basin and he begins to go around all 12 of them. Now these guys are not nice, wearing nice shoes and socks like we are. They're wearing sandals, walking out in, you know, not paved asphalt roads, but actually they, they would have been dirty. And he takes on this task, he's starting washing their feet. Humbling experience for the disciples as Peter objects, but even more so for Jesus who takes on this role of a servant to the 12. Now the 12 should have been washing Jesus' feet, shouldn't they? But, but he, he washes and Jesus actually says to Jesus, unless I wash you, you have no part of me, right? I'm here to serve. But then as we jump down in this passage to 12 to 17, it says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for I am, that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master and no messenger greater than one who sent him. Now that you have know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus set this example with the challenge for the disciples to do the same for one another. He says, washing feet is not something that you should say is below you because you're not greater than the master. And if the master is willing to wash your feet, then you can't say you're greater than me. What's Jesus saying? He took on the lowliest of positions in that moment and says, you know what? You are not greater than me right now. You need to do the same. You need to wash one another's feet. Good news, guys, I have not brought wash basins here today. <laughs> this is not going to be the kind of altar call finish where we're going to all wash each other's feet. Because we don't come from that cultural background, do we? It would all be a bit weird. <laughs> but the point still remains, doesn't it? Jesus came to serve. And this is ultimate expression of his love and care. He's, I, I want you to take this, embody this as a, as a group of believers, as the church. This is, this is what you should reflect. When people come in, when you're part of the body, you, you're coming with this attitude of, of serving, of caring, of getting down on your hands and feet and serving one another. Do you know what? God says he, he humbles the proud, but he exalts the humble. The final statement of what Jesus says points to this very fact. It says, now that you know these things, you will be what if you do them? You will be blessed. It's kind of like the Beatitudes, isn't it? You'll be blessed if you take on servanthood. You'll be exalted if you serve. You'll be great if you serve. If you wash one another's feet, you will receive the blessings of heaven. Man, I want to be in a place of greatness. I want to be in a place of blessing, don't you? 
where we started is God has plans that are immeasurably greater than we could dare to dream or imagine. But you know what? The greatness of God's plan for your life, which is bigger than you think or imagine, involves washing feet, rhetorically speaking, or it involves servanthood. That's the greatness of the plan, is that we can be part of what he's doing and serve one another with the selfless heart of, I'm here to be, to be giving. I think for many of you, many of you who've helped with the night shelter in Brighton when we've, and it's coming up soon, I think when you walk away with it, walk away from the evenings, there's a blessing comes when you serve the least of these. There's a blessing that comes back to you. You think, man, I got to be part, I got to bless someone. You know, Christmas is often that time where people become very generous and be, have that thought process of, of helping those in need. But you know what? Actually, day in, day out, that needs to be the attitude of the church that we're here to, to serve. God's intent is to bless you. I guess a couple of questions just as we close. How are you serving the Lord? How are, and, and in a practical sense, how are you serving his body? His church. Is coming to church really about coming to take in something? Or is it coming with an attitude of what you can contribute? The body needs you. And when God thought of you, and he thought of his body, he aligned the two together and says, you know what, if I'm going to call you to be part of this church so that you can, you can serve. So you can be part of it. You can give what you've got. What I've put in your life. At Center Church, we want to make it easy for you this morning. And if you're visiting with us, you can switch off at this moment. Because maybe this doesn't apply to you. Or it won't apply to you if you're visiting. But we want to give an opportunity for people to connect with what's going on in the church. And maybe you've been coming to this church for years. But you've never really served in this church. Well, do you know what? May God challenge your heart this morning to, to uh, get going, to, to be part of the team. We're, we all have something to play. We all have a part to play. And as I said at the beginning, the, the welcoming, the refreshments, the helping with crash, the you know, doing the sound and visuals, the helping with explore, the other things that go on midweek, the setting up things during the week. You know, all of those things are important. And God looks favorably on those who chip in and are part of the, the, the game and, and, and wash the feet of the church, as it were. I want you to stand with me, please. And I'll, I'm going to pray, and then I'm, I'm going to give instructions as to how our altar call is going to happen in a whole different way this morning. Are you excited? Yes. I'll say it one more time. Are you excited? Yes. Why are you excited? Is because we're called to greatness, guys. You as an individual are called to greatness. And it happens in so many different ways than you think it should. But I tell you what, if you do it, you'll be blessed. You sign up for teas and coffee, Rota, you'll be blessed. You sign up for welcoming, you'll be blessed. You sign up for creche, you'll be blessed. But hopefully you love kids. <laughs>
All right, let me pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.